Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss political hot topics throughout the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We're your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we're recording this episode of NV Politics on November 4th, 2023. So let's get into it. All right. I feel, so our last few episodes have obviously been a little bit uh, longer in between each one because it feels like nothing was happening. But now it feels like a lot is kind of happening and we may need to get back to our weekly cadence. Ah, yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Tim? Do you feel like stuff is happening in Nevada? I, kind of. Um, I feel like there is more. We're definitely getting into a season. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed some trends, though, that are concerning to me. So I'm like, I... Uh. <laughs> well... It's all going to happen all at once because people don't get it, but that's my own opinion. Okay, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get deeper into that. Let me just give a quick rundown of what our time's going to look like today. So we are going to have a rehash. Uh, we're going to quickly discuss some of the Washoe County School District raises and all those benefits. Then we're going to mention a statement from Lombardo that he recently made in regards to the upcoming Just general <laughs> thoughts GOP on, caucus yeah, on the GOP caucus. Yeah. And our main content is going to be a little segment on Jackie Rosen and some anti-Semitic stuff that she's dealt with more recently. Uh, our friend Beatles had some fun in court over the last couple weeks. And then we're going to talk election 2024. So we'll just have a, a few brief highlights around what's happening there within the state of Nevada. And then we'll wrap it up with what broke our brains. So I guess we'll go ahead and jump into that rehash and talk about the Washoe County School District raises. So these went into effect on October 24th, according to an article from the RGJ. And there were some pretty significant updates here. So the contract includes significant gains with more than 22% compensation package for teachers uh, when everything is factored in. So that means they're also getting more preparation time. In most cases, it's actually doubling, which is amazing. Uh, and then also easier ways for educators to move up the pay scale. The contract, which we were hoping this was going to be the case, is retroactive to July 1st and will go through June 30th of 2025. And the back pay is gonna be a nice lump sum within the next couple of weeks for teachers. Uh, the pay raises during the 23 to 24 school year, it's 18%. Uh, it says the district is increasing pay by 14% and the state is adding another 4% for two years, which uh, the lawmakers are potentially going to extend into 2025. 
And then it says the district will increase salaries by 2% during the 24 to 25 school year. And I think that's where we end up getting to that 20% pay raise. An additional note is that special education teachers are going to receive a $2,500 bonus for 23-24 school year and 24-25. And a $5,000 recruitment bonus will be given to all new special education hires who work two years. So that's a very high level. There's a lot more detail, but I, I, I tried to truncate it a little bit for us. I'm so glad you gave all of that info because that was not the reason I wanted to bring this up on Rehash at all. All right. Um, the, the <laughs> what news, do you have, Tim? <laughs> yeah, the news as of two days ago was about the superintendent of Washoe County. Yeah, and I saw that. executive raises. Yeah, yeah. So the takeaways that I just have from that in light of all those numbers that you just presented was that the superintendent salary will be increased from $310,000 a year. By the end of 2024, it will be 3058 k What? So when a you look at... A superintendent is making $300,000 yeah, yeah, a year? And when you, when you look at... The raises that she put forward, she put forward similar pay raises of 15 to 20% across all of her executive offices. Okay. The important part of this was all of the numbers and raises that you mentioned mm -hmm. were those under the union contract. Yes. Yes, you're correct. All of them that I am bringing up now are not. Yeah, they're outside of These the union, right? These are non-unionized right? workers. The big takeaway from the RGJ article that I was reading about this was it sounds like the school board didn't get to discuss any of these raises. So despite it being something that should be publicly discussed because these are non-union workers in mm -hmm. our school district, mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like any of the school board members knew about and or discussed any of these raises before they be, were made public. For the superintendent and their staff? For all of the executives, for all of the non-unionized workers. Wow. Um, I wasn't able to dig into this, so I'm not necessarily saying that this claim was fully true, but that was the gist from the RGJ article two days ago that I got about the superintendent. Yeah. When they reached out to a lot of the school board members, it sounded like all but one had no comment because they were unaware of it. Like it said, we cannot comment because we are like, we're not aware. Or That's they, insane. Yeah. And then. The president had things of like, I'm kind of concerned that this was never discussed publicly. So that's where that comment's coming from. Yeah. And my th my other takeaways from this is like, okay, so she's she's branding it as a cost of living increase. So it's a 13% increase. Yes. I saw, I saw that headline. Yeah. I want to kind of discuss, are we paying them? Are we paying her too much or is Clark County not paying theirs enough because their superintendent is making 400K a year? So we're upping hers to where she's making on par with the superintendent down south, okay. despite that being the fifth largest school district in the nation. Right. And I don't feel like Washoe is that large to justify it, let alone even justify her getting this type of pay raise. It feels totally. like it's... I, I don't know. I feel like it's a robbing Peter to pay Paul and like some of this money might be better used giving bonuses to the school librarians on top of the special aid or something like that. Like the, the, this money could be weaved in somewhere else better because I don't think she needs a cost of living increase making 300K in Reno. Like I know it's expensive <laughs> to live here, but it's not 
that expensive. Just yeah, that was the someone... only thing that I was going to say uh, where maybe it makes sense to put the pay on par with the Clark County superintendent would, you know, had nothing to do with necessarily size of the district, but the fact that the cost of living in Northern Nevada is more expensive. Well, but than a lot of this, a lot of upper but I don't execs know in school districts, to me, it sounds like they justify it by like, oh, but we're in charge of this many schools and this many students and this many employees to like justify their pay ban. That's like on par with, you know, startup CEOs and what have you. That's wild. And it's like, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up in the okay. rehash. Was like I love the teachers' pay increase, but mm -hmm. I'm reading this and I'm like, ah, hmm, uh, yeah. Should, well, and another thing too to note, I was trying to see if Clark County was able to land their deal yet, and they still have not. Uh, that was as of early October. I, I could not find any updates on the teacher union landing their deal with the Clark County School District in yeah, so, uh, Southern Nevada. I mean, but, you know, we're, we're paying our execs. Oh, yeah, we're paying them. Um, paying them a lot of money. Well, that's a rehash. Well, yeah, uh, let's jump into this. Yeah, you covered everything that I was going to say of like, <laughs> yeah, they gave bus drivers and like the school cops this much that equated to like this much, right? Blah, blah, blah. But like, what are they doing with the execs? Because yeah, they can... I guess I know what I want to do for my dream job. <laughs> Yeah, for real. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this caucus. Okay. This is another rehash topic. Obviously, we've talked about this We're a couple of times. We're a primary state now, okay? <laughs> We're a primary state now. Get it right. So that bill was passed in 21 to move to a primary system away from caucus. And as we have already discussed, the GOP has essentially said, there's going to be a primary. People can vote. Yeah, but we're holding the caucus and only the the person who wins the caucus will receive the delegates. And I think an important fact that I want to point out only because I was having a COVID argument with my father, so it was a little heated. I okay. apologize. But um, I want to specify because he seemed to lack the understanding of this. There was a lawsuit that happened as a result of all this. Mm. The GOP did get, they like sued the state mm -hmm. or yes. like someone got sued. And yeah. the, the end result of the lawsuit was the Nevada Supreme Court looked at it and said, okay. You can do whatever you the, want. Well, yeah, the Supreme Court or the, the Secretary of State has to deliver a primary mm -hmm. by law. Yes. But you being the Nevada Republicans get to select your delegates however, however you, you see fit. That's right. Because you get to, like, it's... We it's have your thing. You the ability to administer the elections, so it's one of those things where after that lawsuit, it was pretty much deemed that the Republican Party can do both, and yep. they get to count the caucus. They get to do whatever they want. Yeah, that's that's a key point that I think our listeners need to understand. Of that happened, and that's why it's such a clusterfuck at the current point is because the Supreme Court was like, well, legally we have to do one, and if they want to do the other, yep. We so can't. it. It doesn't matter who wins the primary. Uh, there was some very yes, interesting... Yes, it does. <laughs> the chair has said that they get a participation trophy, and that's, that's important. Right. That's right. I think that was in that HuffPost article. Well, and I read I read that one because I took a lot out of that, too. Oh, that yeah. Was, There's a lot of great like, stuff in there. 
I mean, you got <laughs> you got Trump, but then you have the former chair, Amy Tarkanian, pretty much yep. saying, well, yeah, it's a way for them to rig it. Yep. It, it's pretty much largely viewed as as that. There, I love the one comment from the one lady in the article, and I know we're going off on a little tangent That's here. That's all but right. So we do. Where she was like, if Trump's name isn't on the ballot in Nevada, I'm never voting again. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that, that kind of solves the problem. Yeah, I was but, like, um, great. <laughs> no one tell her that, please. Uh, I hope she doesn't listen to our podcast. <laughs> yes, it was. Some German lady who wants to move to Utah, like, all right, good, yeah, that's good for right. you. Yeah, she said, I have a home in Utah. I'm just going to go there. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Okay, so the whole reason we're bringing this up again is because our Republican governor, Uh, Joe Lombardo, spoke up about this and actually said he thinks what we are doing by holding both a primary and a caucus, that it will disenfranchise a number of voters. And in this HuffPost article that we were just referencing, I want to get, there were some statistics in here that talk about the number of votes in our, here we go. Okay. During the 2016 caucuses. It was like 16%. It was, yeah, 14.9%. It said just 75,000 basically of the 500,000 registered Republicans cast ballots in the in-person only event. That's the caucus. And then in the 2022 uh, primary for the GOP nomination for governor, uh, 228,000 of the 627,000 registered Republicans cast ballots, uh, which equated to 36% turnout rate. They like doubled it. Yes. So how... (laughs) It is very intentional. It's very strategic. They are supposedly hosting an educational campaign well, to inform voters. <laughs> so this, this was the, the interjection that I wanted to get cut in here, and I'm going to try and be kind because he is, <laughs> he is very particular about his public words. So I attended a speech by Cisco Aguilar, Secretary of State. Uh-huh. One of the questions that the audience kept drilling heavily, not not his fault, but the audience kept drilling was, how are we going to educate voters about this? Or how Uh are the voters going to be educated about this difference? She was a Democrat asking this question. I don't know why she cared so much, but she really (laughs) cared. (laughs) Kudos to her. And his thing was, is, well, at the end of the day, it's on the party to educate that their voters. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it falls on them to run the election, to administer the election and to educate their voters on how they're going to do it. At the bottom of that same Huffington Post article, it was talking about the very organized effort that they were witnessing just standing in line, where they saw Trump volunteers going down the line, getting signatures, educating Republican voters about, hey, his name's not going to be on the primary, you're going to have to go to the caucus two days later, this is how it's going to be. And they were doing the groundwork that, of course, they need to. They have to, yeah. 
And it, it kind of leads to the point that I've always made privately, and I'll probably make it publicly here, maybe for the first time, maybe not. Okay. But, like, the Republican Party in our state is fucking organized. They're smart. Mm. They know how to do what they need to do. So it's not even just like, oh, we as the Democrats are like, what are they going to do to educate their voters? This article specifically points out they're doing exactly what they need to. The volunteers and the workers are getting out and they're telling the people who are showing up to the events, hey, this is how you're going to need to vote. And they're doing the organized effort that they've always done in our state. Mm-hmm. So they're they're doing the groundwork and I want to give them at least that credit. All will right. it work? <laughs> That's the question well, we're asking because I, how effective will it be? I think they're going to get the result that they want no matter what. Oh, the, no, no, no. The result that they want will be Trump wins. Yes. The What I'm saying is, will it work for voter confusion? Because that's sure. what I feel is the more important kind of discussion here or what we're, I, I don't know, that's at least what I think we're talking about is just the overall confusion of this bull crap. Because everyone, it, read the news if you want to know who's going to win <laughs> in Nevada's Republican yeah. caucus. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah. I Honestly, it'll be interesting reporting back on this. And yes. after it happens... In what it's February sixth and February eighth, I believe, are the the dates yep. of each event. So, yeah, in February we'll talk about it. All right. So the main content: Robert Beatles. Bob. <laughs> I don't know if he likes that, but let's call him Bob. All right. So Bob, <laughs> basically, Bob Beatles <laughs> has been making attempts to. Uh, I guess, in a way, sue in regards to a bill that passed this last legislative session. The bill, which I have here, is SB 406. And I combed through this earlier. I mean, it's okay. (laughs) Let me let me just read the, the brief here. An act relating to elections, making it unlawful for a person to use or threaten or attempt to use any force, intimidation, coercion, violence, restraint, or undue influence with the intent to interfere with the performance of duties of an elections official or retaliate against an elections official for the performance of such duties, making it unlawful to disseminate certain information about an elections official, prohibiting certain constitutional officers from soliciting or accepting political contributions during certain periods, providing penalties, and providing other uh, matters properly relating thereto. And what was the vote count on the bill? Uh, that is a good question. I don't, wait, hold on. It vote, it was, it passed unanimously in both houses in our government and then was immediately (laughs) signed by our governor. It was pretty popular from what I can understand. I couldn't Um, read anything bad in it, (laughs) but Bob wants to throw this shit out. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing about it is like his, oh, killed some hard drives on my desk. That's not good. Uh, His, it seems like he just wants to disrupt anything that has to do with the elections because he's also got another thing about suing Washoe County just Mm -hmm. because of how we administer our elections and he didn't like the results of the audit. Still, it's the idea of like, I don't know why he still cares because it's like we got the audit, we learned some things, it happened and like we're moving forward with it. What do you, I yeah, he just seems to be want wanting to spend a lot of money and like get his attorney friend's name out there because she failed to beat Attorney General Ford mm. and I, I did some digging, and as of two days ago, he's got some, like, 
weird numbers on his website about how he guarantees that it should be Mayor Eddie Lorton and Attorney General Siga Chata instead of who won. And then <laughs> when you look at the numbers, he like tries. To, I can't justify this. I can't fully understand it. I'm calling it pseudo math, but <laughs> I'm also not a mathematician. So maybe I'm just being stupid. But I think he tried to take our election results and then make them out of a hundred instead of the actual numbers. Okay. And then through some like reductive statistical math, say because if it's out of a hundred parts, it really should have been this instead of this. And he he makes he reduces the difference of like fifteen thousand some odd votes. Is he right, using get... that economist who came up with the numbers for the stadium? Probably, <laughs> probably. But he he's like. The, the difference in votes that he's trying to pull, it's it's actually somewhere about four, ten, six, like 18,000 votes. And he tries to reduce it down to like 200 or like the difference of 300 to 100. And oh I'm like, goodness. this doesn't make sense. No. Maybe I'm just being stupid. But uh, <laughs> he's still trying to spout this just dumb pseudo look at the real numbers. And I'm like, I'm looking at them and you're not making sense. I, I don't I don't know what you're conspiracies are fun wouldn't we be bored with adam look conspiracies are thought are fun but this guy is just nuts yeah a a thousand percent i agree with you so this lawsuit that he filed uh, against this bill it was immediately thrown out uh he does plan to refile with some updates it wasn't on the merits of the case it was on the results of the law so it was thrown out because the judge looked at it and she was like okay but you have not presented Mm -hmm. any reason that you Mm -hmm. planned on violating this law prior prior to it being passed right so essentially like you had plans to do any of these actions before they were made illegal so then it was like an ex post facto made illegal i get what the judge is saying right it's it's like a 14th amendment cop-out it's or not a it's an ex post facto cop-out it's like okay you don't have an ex post facto violation, and I don't think you're at risk of going to prison over this because it's now clearly defined of what you can't do. So if you do do it now, it's just illegal, but you haven't demonstrated that you planned on doing it prior. Yeah. And then I want to talk about the other one again, which is about the whole, like, he's got this Washoe County one, yes. which is about the audit. And his literal thing is just, I want a, I want a new venue. It was supposed to be in Washoe. And he's like, no, people will know my name. It will be skewed. So they're like, yes, that's fair. We'll move it to Carson City. So now it's going to be in Carson City. And he wants it to be in Lyon County because that's where all the conservative uh, Trump judges are. Oh, my god! Like, actually, that's a thing. So he wants it to be out there. And it's it's just like, oh, God. He's relentless. I'll give him that. Yeah, it's funny. (laughs) All right. So enough of Beatles. Bob, let's real quick, I guess, talk about this whole Jackie Rosen death threat. So on October 31st, Reuters uh, posted an article that shared a man by the name of John Miller, who left a series of messages with the office of U.S. Senator uh, Jackie Rosen between oh, October. Oh, it'd be the staff having to field those calls. Oh, God, Jesus. I know. Because it, it, it's either 
that he left messages. So he like got a voicemail or a staff picked it up and they had to like record this. And it's like, Oh, to be that, to be in either situation. Cause it's a staff member. And it's like, Oh, that would suck. Oh, totally. And I mean, you would have to record it. Right. So this is just a couple of days after the Hamas attack on Israel and John Miller threatened to assault, kidnap or murder the Senator. And, he was charged with one count of threatening a federal official, uh, according to the Justice Department. And apparently, so this these were in his messages to um, Senator Rosen. He cited Israel's actions in its war with the militant group and threatened to exterminate the lawmaker, calling her subhuman, That uh, is what the complaint said. Uh, He was also apparently turned away on October 18th from a courthouse in Las Vegas where he said he was going to see Jackie Rosen uh, because he was becoming agitated and threatening to kill uh, Israelis. So this is a scary dude. And it's it's wild. I think obviously this is just a a microcosm, right, of uh, so much more that's happening and this is the reality, I think, of not just elected officials right now, but people everywhere dealing with the the backlash from, you know, the differing stances on this situation. Yeah, and um, I think just some other things to note is that a key thing that Jackie Rosen, or has at least been said about Senator Jackie Rosen often, is that she, prior to becoming a senator, was the president of her synagogue locally. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. So, yeah, that that is an important alt- other fact to put out there. Not saying that that justifies what was said, but that yeah, it, it no. kind of shows, you know, her, her dedication and, like... She's practicing of, Yeah, Jew, she's practicing, right? yeah. like, yeah, it, her, what, how she lives. Yes. Very important thing to kind of note and remember. To me, I'm just, I think it's a really messy situation, um, just yeah. with what's going on in general. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, I, I don't understand, and I hate that I'm at that point, but, you know, even personally, like, I deal with a lot of personal prejudice prejudices that I'm overcoming on, you know, whenever I have to face them. And I'm, I work on that on a daily mm-hmm. basis. And it, it's something that growing up in rural Nevada, I have to do just mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rural Nevada is racist as shit. So you got to get over some things being exposed to the real world. Yes. With that being said, I, I don't get it. Like, and I, I have to, I have a book, so I hope that it, or I have a couple books, so I'll try and read them. And I hope that they help me understand a little bit more of what's going on. But like, I've, I've read a lot on African-American culture, history, mm-hmm. and their struggles in America and to understand and, and get past a lot of that prejudice. And I, I just cannot understand why the prejudice against the Jewish faith and against Israeli people like fully still exists into today or even Mm -hmm. existed to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of arguments. Mm -hmm. There've been a lot of things that have been presented to me, but I just, 
maybe I don't know enough about their history and that could be some of my own naiveness, but I, I just, there has been a lot that has happened to a lot of populations and generations and especially knowing what has happened to that generate or that population. Yes. I, I would have hoped that the world would have moved past these feelings. Yeah. But, um, God, cause we're not even a hundred years away from, you know, the, the, the last terrible thing that happened with the Jewish well, and, people. And you like, know? and, and I, I do also want to point this out that we're not even a hundred years away from, you know, the, uh, the, the, the integration of our school system in America. Yeah. Yeah. So an, another key thing of like, we as a society have a lot that we have to move past and, mm-hmm. I'm I'm just saying in general I hate that it exists. It's it's not necessarily that I don't understand it, but I just hate that it's it's happening. Um, mm-hmm. Something else that I'm not going to get into because I actually don't know too much about it. But through scuttlebutt that I have heard, these are not the only threats that were made to the only senator in our state, and that's all I'm going to say. Oh, uh, well, you have more of the inside scoop than I do, and so. that's all I got. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, to wrap up on this, it's, let's just treat everyone like humans. I I don't understand the dehumanization of people groups. It's mind-blowing to me. I I really hope that we, we as the human race, can take a step toward more acceptance and steer away from any dehumanization. Uh, but I know that's a tall order, but yeah. one can dream. <laughs> Shall we do this last tidbit around yeah. the 2024 elections? So people are starting to file. It's happening. Well, no, 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 no. So. <laughs> let's be let's be fully candid. They are not starting to file because they cannot file yet. What is oh, happened they're announcing. is presidential candidates have filed because that filing period for yes. the state has already opened and closed with the Secretary of State. However, for normal elections, their filing period isn't probably sometime until... I don't know, like January, February, February, I think March. I haven't looked it up because I'm not running for office. So I don't care as much anymore, but like <laughs> it's sometime later. Okay. I'm What's happening now is they're announcing their candidacy for said offices. That's right. So yes, thank you for that clarification. I do believe that that was important, uh, an important distinction. So here's the deal. I thought this was kind of funny. I was thinking about this earlier. So as we all know, our legislative session ended quite some time ago. It's 120 days, right? And then basically our legislators uh, go into campaign season for like a year and a half, basically. It's pretty wild that they spend most of their time actually campaigning than they do legislating. I do think there's something to be said there and... Well, we've talked we've talked about that point before, where seventy five percent of our legislators' time is spent related to the job as opposed to not working on the job, and that's how they've calculated that time, looking at interim committees, mm-hmm. campaigning, all of that. Mm-hmm. Cu- couple important things to note 
if if you don't have any or well we'll let you get into the candidate details later but the reason why and you'll notice when you start getting through some candidate names or some things Mm -hmm. if you start campaigning prior to december 31st everyone's dollar amount doubled you as a person can donate a certain amount of money to a candidate in a calendar year. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Which means that December 31st, if I'm trying to get money from you prior to December 31st at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Mm -hmm. I have a certain dollar value that I can extract out of you and squeeze like the politician that I am. (laughs) Once that once that clock strikes midnight and we hit the new year, you're getting another phone call because your dollar amount just went to zero and I can squeeze more out of you. Okay. Yeah. No, I think it's a great point. Get that money. (laughs) You'll see a lot of the names who announce, start doing things, start doing that are experienced people who Mm -hmm. have been around the, who have been around the sun a couple of times as a candidate and they (laughs) filed their, their, uh, their expenses and, cost or their costs and expenses reports you know they've yeah they've they're done their cnes okay yep <laughs> they know what to expect and they're they're getting in it so with this election cycle obviously we have talked about how our, our current legislature has a democratic majority right or super majority both our chambers are a democrat majority and there are uh, there is a goal to get uh, enough to override a veto, I guess. So that's my understanding. Because we have a Republican governor, and man, did he use his veto power this last session. The Democrats are really wanting to make sure that we win more seats so that we can overcome any potential vetoes uh, in this we next have session. one seat in the senate that we have to pick up and if we can pick up that one seat the first thing that both caucuses have vowed to do is put all of those vetoes on the docket and get them passed nice i did not hear that part so that's good to yes. know yes and that well i haven't heard that from the caucuses but i've heard that from people who have talked with the caucuses and like various people running for office, and that is what they have said. If we can pick up that seat, that is our first priority day one. Okay, I, I can get on board with that. Yep. So the Nevada Independent, they are so wonderful. We love them. They have a specific site or page on their site that gives a candidate tracker for the Nevada legislature And it breaks it down by the Assembly and the Senate, and it lists the incumbents. And then there's also additional candidates who have announced that they're going to be running for some of those seats. And I just have a, a couple of notes here around some of these things. And I know, Tim, you probably have a bit more color to add here outside of this. So for the Senate... SD15, Heidi Seavers making an exit. Uh, both Angie Taylor and Naomi Dewar have filed that, to run for this seat. That is the seat that they're hoping to flip. Okay. Um, so Heidi's a Republican? At, yes. And if you look at our gerrymandered ass state, because we've heard my complaints <laughs> about mm-hmm. this before. Mm-hmm. 
So I have no problem saying that. If you look at our gerrymandered ass state, they gerrymandered her district to be Democrat in this last redistricting. Interesting. So this was her first time of being up for re-election because we redistrict in 21. This is 23, which means she was elected in 19 the last time. All right. So yes. she's tapping out because she's like, well, they, they cut me out. <laughs> yeah. So she's she's exiting. Uh, you can see she it might this. also be termed out. I'm not sure. But they drew it very blue regardless. Yeah. So they the Nevada Independent did some they have a key uh, for shading here. So the incumbents, they're either not running for reelection. I think that is the case for Heidi Seavers. Uh, they have a color for incumbent is running for another office. Another for incumbent is termed out and another for incumbent has announced a reelection bid. So in this yeah, case, like how you, like, you keep calling her Heidi Seavers. I've never heard that. It's always been Gansert. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's like everyone listed in, here, everyone in the political world always just calls her by her last name because it's easier. So it's like, yeah, it's Gansert. It's like, yeah, we have never heard the Seavers part of it. Interesting. That's what it let, yeah, well, let me little, make sure I, no, no, that I'm doing I, I see it right it. now. I see it. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's on the list. Gansert. Like, oh, I didn't. I, <laughs> I didn't yeah, write her last like, name you're, down You're too. not wrong. It's on the list. <laughs> but Heidi I'm also Gansert. Like, oh, no. Yeah, let me write that. Okay. Ah, she's not a senator anymore. <laughs> she's not going <laughs> ah, to be. She's out of here. <laughs> okay. SD 18 and 19, both incumbents have termed out. And yeah, but that's not us. I know. There are Republican seats, but still. No, no, no. It's not even Republican. So SD19 is like rural East Nevada. So that's like Elko and shit. Yeah, but still, that's so like, they're Republican. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're beyond Republican. SD18, I want to say, is North Las Vegas. See, that currently is Scott Hammond. He might be like mid-state, not east. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I don't have the map in front of me, but there are three people who have already f um, announced a bid for that seat. They're oh, all Republican. Cool. Yeah, they, they're going to take it. Uh, then SD1, do you know where that is? SD1? Vegas. There, so from my list, the only one in northern Nevada, so maybe I'm just being a little you know, greedy, uh -huh. but the only one for Northern Nevada is SD 15. Okay. That, like I get well, that, for Washoe, but this for is Washoe. a Nevada um, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So actually the rest of them are all going to be in Vegas or around Vegas in some area. Yeah. So that makes sense. The SD one is terming out and three Democrats have five. No, nope, two I like two Democrats. And a Republican. Yes, thank you. I just caught that. So okay. it'll be not the Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the assembly. Uh, was there anything notable to you that you want to mention here with the assembly, Tim? Well, I'm waiting for them to get their butt together, but uh, or their their act together, however you want to think about it. But we have shadow candidates for AD24. That I'm I sorry, what's a shadow candidate? I don't know this speak. Well, and that's where I'm like, I'm not going to be the one to spoil their candidacy on our podcast because they yeah. haven't like, I don't know how out there they wanted. Don't need to sense. throw names just to yeah, say they, what that means. Yeah, there was, there was one, there's one that's getting the stuff ready to to like announce their candidacy. They just have not announced yet for AD24. Okay. A Democrat there. So that's Sarah Peters. 
See? Yes, and Sarah Peters has said she is just not running for re-election again. Yep. I've heard many different things. Best I can gather is she's just kind of done with the politics. Nevada politics can be tough. That happens, yeah. Yep. You have 8025, Selena LaRue Hatch. She's running for re-election again. Um, Angie Taylor's seat is what scares me, AD27. Yeah, I'm curious about this. I, I had a note here. So I know she's... Uh, like she's we already running. mentioned, running for the Senate. Yeah, seat. she's running for Senate, which means she's. Does that not leave running. it open? Yeah, it essentially leaves it open, which means we could pick up the majority in the Senate. But what are we doing to keep the majority in the Assembly? Because we need to keep her seat in the Assembly to make sure that we still have the majority. Yeah, and nobody's announced a bid for that seat yet. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's a safe Dem seat, but like we just need a good someone in there. Yeah. Um, you got Natha Anderson running for re-election again up here. Yeah, Natha. Yeah, see, I pretty much looked for Washoe because that's what is <laughs> my stuff. Um, the ones that I'm interested about and I'm curious is AD26 and AD31 because they're two semi-strong Republican districts, but neither one has said I'm running for re-election again, which seems weird because it's like, mm. why not just start taking the money now? You guys are smart, but... Yeah, I didn't have any notes on those ones. I do have a note on AD 35. I don't know where that's located, but the um, Michelle Gorlo, she's a Democrat. She's exiting. Only two Republicans have filed for that seat. So I thought that was interesting. Interesting. Let me actually look to see where that is, because that will give us some insight into it. So that is in a a southern part of Vegas. Interesting. I want to see it on map. Yeah, it looks like, however, they they could have made it more Republican because they cut out a substantial part of the district. But without being in Vegas and knowing some of how they drew those lines, I couldn't speak to that. So I don't know if it's like a now our district or she's just not running again. Interesting. So we'll see what happens there. I feel like that honestly could probably go any way. Who are the two? What are the names that filed already? The they Republicans? They are Rebecca Edgeworth and Brittany Walker. Okay. So Neither yeah. has run for it prior. Mm -mm. Well, I'm So here. yeah, that, that yeah. is our candidate update so far for the yeah, I mean, 24 we've... election cycle. We've got plenty of people apparently on the Nevada primary ballot for the Democrats. The Republican situation, we've already kind of addressed that, but, you know, most of the big names are in the caucus. Most of the not big names are in the primary, mm -hmm. so do with that what you will. Yep. Um, more to come. I mean, there's yeah, just going to be more I, and more I, update here. Yeah, I don't know. We, we live in such a gerrymandered state that, like, <laughs> it's so hard to... It's really hard to figure it out. It's really hard to say like, oh, you know, someone's not going to run for this or someone's going to run for this or like Well, it's whatever. still so early, right? Yeah. It's still you know, so early. Um, one that was interesting to me, but I don't know how to take it, is you have Assemblyman C.H. Miller from 87. It's mm -hmm. a Vegas district, but mm -hmm. he has opted to not run for re-election because yes. he's running for Clark County commission or interesting a city council something down there so and no one's filed yet no i mean sorry yeah. I mean, no one has announced 
Yes. So we'll see how that goes. Mm -hmm. Um, Notable things to kind of remember, though, we've had a governor come from the Clark County Commission. So it's not crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he might have some moves there, but I just, I I read that a while ago and I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Um, Let me, I'm just going down the list trying to see any others that aren't from Northern Nevada because that's what I care about. Uh, look, I'm I'm honest. I'm up front. Uh, look, we may have some rural listeners. We don't know. We don't want to leave them out. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we're we're on the timeline. The thing that I want to kind of point out is, say you're thinking of running for office, start sooner rather than later, because yes. it's it's very clear that the professionals know the timeline and they are acting early on it. Yes. They're not just acting ahead. If you want to, or if you think you're running for office and you want to make it official, but you can't make it official until you file, well, draft up a press release, send it to someone in a news release, newspaper or post it online. Like, I'm announcing my candidacy. Mm-hmm. Like, put it out there. Get it out there. But... You know, you want to build that war chest early. Yeah, you want to build it early. Start start the groundwork now. The ones who know that are the ones who are getting ahead. That's the best thing that I would at least advise to our listeners. If we have anyone thinking of running for office, Mm -hmm. start sooner rather than later and start figuring it out and building it up now. Well, shall we talk about what broke our brain? Sure. Mine's mine's not that that crazy. Go ahead just kind of dumb what the fuck's coming out of the house like every single morning (laughs) i get some new hill article from the house of like the house gop has passed a bill that's cutting this funding or the house gop is trying to slash this or that and i'm like are you guys just dumb like this is the tea party on steroids and they didn't Uh get anything done yeah so like did you not learn from your mistakes because i'm pretty sure the tea party got smeared in that next election give Um, our listeners some context what specifically is making you uh break your brain here about well, this. Well, okay, so there was the IRS funding one where oh they're like trying to slash gosh. the IRS funding. So Let me find some of the up. other ones. Okay, so while you're yeah, finding you, you that, listen. Yeah, you while I find okay, the other ones. Their, their thinking is that in order to agree to terms around some of this funding for, I think, Ukraine and Israel and all that stuff, they actually want to try to cut spending for the IRS. Oh, they're also they also approved cutting the EPA budget by 40%. Of course that they was did. another one that I was of course like the fuck. But here's the um, thing, I just want to make this very clear. So so Biden pushed a very the, I think I'm pretty sure they passed it. That there was a bill that dedicated a tremendous amount of resources to the structure of our IRS because they were so understaffed because we need to bring in taxes. It is our government source of revenue. And what the GOP is saying is, no, no, let's save some money by cutting some of those resources that we gave to the IRS. No, bro, they bring in money and they bring in money from rich people. And that's what we need to happen right now. <laughs> yep. Yep, so that's strategic. Course, they're, yeah, they're they're the ones who they want to cut their their buddy's funding because their buddy's the one who got them into office. They got to mm-hmm. make sure that they you know grease the pockets. Got to got to get that got to get that dough. 
Mike Johnson, who doesn't even um, have a bank account. Is that the is that the speaker? Yes. God damn it. He doesn't God even it, have man. a bank account, dude. That, that, I, <laughs> Look, so yeah, that that's really just where I'm at. I just keep reading headlines and I'm like, what what are these fuck what are they doing? <laughs> what what's going on? I know. Um you know, cuz there has been a lot that's really broken my brain lately that I'm just I sit back and I really I'm asking why a lot. Yeah. But uh, that one was just a nice, lighthearted, like, WTF, mate. Okay. So I'm going to add to that because mine is along the same lines. So I listen to the NPR Politics Podcast. <laughs> what do you know? I like politics podcasts. It's so funny. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Okay. So I was listening to an episode. This is a couple weeks ago, actually. And they were reporting on the abandonment of Eric by the GOP. So Eric is a voter fraud detection system that was implemented a decade ago that links voter systems across states so that you can actually track if someone is trying to vote in multiple states. So you can catch voter fraud. Why would you use a system like that? That's how we win. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So now, uh, and listen, it was a bipartisan supported uh, system, Eric. Everybody loved it. They thought it was great. And now there are these fun conspiracy theories talking about how it actually is bad and rigged and causes all this other chaos. And so the GOP, due to some of these extremists complaining about a conspiracy theory with this voter system, uh, this detection system, um, are pulling away. They're backing away. They're literally passing legislation within their states to say we are no longer going to use Eric. Yes, this is happening across a lot of Republican states. And when you talk to a lot of these legislators offline, they admit that it was helpful. It was a helpful system. And when asked what they're going to do now to try to detect voter fraud, they are in the process of hoping to come up with something. There there is no replacement yet. And because of this, there will likely be more voter fraud. And they have admitted this. So what's breaking my brain about this, it's not a surprise that um, the GOP is being bullied around by these extremists. I think what we're seeing with that is that even the moderate candidates, they have to give in or succumb to this because they opened the door a crack with some of this, right? By wanting to win by any means, right? They, they find little ways to try to gain an inch and we got some crazies coming in. So they began playing even dirtier and trying to change the rules in their favor. And now there is no stopping this train. It is moving, it's going, and I truly believe that the Republican Party has lost control to a small faction of their base, right? We just watch it with this whole House Speaker shit. The loonies, they are controlling this, 
and the majority who are not extreme. They are moderate in their nature. They have no idea how to stop it. And I really believe, I fully believe this from the core of my being, that we might be at the beginning or the precipice of a dying political party, and it could be the appropriate timing for a true third party to rise up. So call me crazy, but I think that this would be the perfect season for something like that. Yes, but they don't have an alternative yet because right. all of the third party alternatives are liberal, not conservative. Um, you are making a point that, and I'm going, you might not like this, but That's you fine. agree with our governor right now. Our <laughs> making, no, our governor yeah. has made the same exact point where it's he's true. pretty much saying like the Republican Party, he referenced it in the statement where he bashed on the caucus, but he was specifically referencing also the disenfranchisement mm -hmm. and the problem that's happening in Congress mm -hmm. on top of what's happening in our state where there are these two factions of the Republican Party. You reminded me of something where I may or may not have been at a campaign event last night. Okay. And... It was hosted, thank God I wasn't wearing my name tag, by some Republicans. Oh. And when they asked, you know, who I was, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm the vice chair for the, the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, we were excommunicated from the Republican local and state party. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, okay tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. And they were like, well, that's because we supported the Attorney General Ford and someone else. And, but I mean, look at the alternatives. Like, you can't support anyone else. So, you know, if, if we had open primaries, wow. I'd be independent, but I can't. And it's like, mm. to your point, it's it is happening very much so. Yeah. A lot of them are feeling so goddamn disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to also say we have to look in the mirror and we can't just say, look totally. at what's happening to them. Yeah, no, Same that's shit's fair. happening to the Democrats. We just somehow are keeping it a little bit more in-house. Yes. Only a little bit. Like yeah. the blinds are still open, but we're at least inside, whereas <laughs> the Republicans are in the street fighting about it. So like, yeah. no, you're not you know, wrong. Like and, and that's kind of the only difference right now. Mm -hmm. Third parties, I don't think it's going to be one. I think it's going to be a couple that are rising up and, like, fighting. We're not going to see an organizational thing like the Whigs or, like, one of the old party swaps that we used to. But I, I don't want to discredit what you're saying because mm -hmm. you're not wrong. I just don't. I don't think you're fully right, if that makes sense. No, I get what you're saying. And, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. can't and wrap my I'm... mind around what the what the party would be or what it would yeah, look like yeah, like that, the parameters kind of, of it I, I, I think you I, and I are hitting that same yes. problem of like it's I the right know. time but yes the, but, but it's the it's the the ground is fertile right the, the ground is fertile for something like the fire is there to start but like yes. the the stoker and the the bellows aren't going like yes. there's no one there to man it and that's kind of yeah yeah we'll see yeah, if it I, happens who knows I, uh, who knows? Yes, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Um, yeah. well, that's my broken brain. There was something else I was going to say, but I forgot it, so not well, too important. Then take us home. All right, well, let's close us out. So uh, we're on like a biweekly basis for now. Maybe some news <laughs> will pick up. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Either way, you can listen to us on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Google Podcast thingies. The Amazon podcast thingies and the iHeart podcast stuff. Yeah, uh, all those. Are they 
Yes, you can. I don't know how. We have so many. Are they all just thumbs up, subscribes? There's got to be different rating systems. Give us stars. Give us thumbs up. Give us hearts. Give us whatever the heck every subscription service does. <laughs> Write some reviews. Do that um, thing. I don't know if we read them, but we should. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Send us the suggestions. Hello at nvpoliticspodcast.com. We'll get some. We'll get some people to interview once the news starts picking up again. Yeah. Maybe we'll feature some. Oh, we could start we featuring get some, some candidates. candidates. That would be um, dope. I know. I know some that'll just be like, "Hey, do you like I'm talking a podcast about some, some crap?" And then we can just give them the episode. And just sit back. That'd be fun. Hell yeah. Um, other than that, keep coming back. Like us. Review us. Uh, listen next week. Listen this week. Listen last week, and uh, <laughs> we'll see you around. Bye. Bye.